We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, today's podcast, welcome to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast with Lou Stagner, Scott Fawcett and myself, Mark Crossfield. Today we're talking today's players v the players of yesteryear. Gentlemen, how are you both doing? Doing good, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Scott, you all good there? Never been better. Like to hear it. Are we are we players of now or are we players of yesteryear? I would class myself a player of yesteryear more than player of now. <laughs> Scott, it's funny you say you? that because honestly, well, so the few things that I kind of prepared coming into this were the top, you know, fifty all-time majors champions and and there were some inflection points with like VJ or Ernie Els, like who would I consider to be in this modern-ish generation and I think this 45 to 55 is a, is a gray area, but I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> we're, we're since I entered Q school last year, I'm a young gray player. Areas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to talk about today's players v yesteryear's players. Who was better? Is that even a discussion or not? It should be a fun one. So I'm going to kick the ball into your court to start us off there, Lou, because I know you're probably going to throw some interesting stats at us. Yesteryear players v... Uh, today's players, are they better now? Were they better then? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think overall, uh, comparing players from yesteryear to today is, is challenging, right? We, we can't have Bobby Jones tee it up with Tiger side by side and see who would win over the course of a season. We can't do that. All, all we can do is, is look at what they did back then and look at what players are doing today. And from a numbers perspective, the two places that I start with and I think about this are just the, the number of golfers today compared to the number of golfers yesteryear. And I have some numbers here in, in front of me, and these are rough numbers, most of them from National Golf Foundation. But in 1950, so we'll talk about Jack's career. Jack started in 1960. In 1950, there were about 3.2 million golfers in the United States. In the year 2000, there were about 25 million. Uh, it peaked in 2003 at about 30 million. So in 2003, there were 30 million golfers, which is uh, almost 10 times as many in 1950. 1950 was probably around the time Jack was really getting into the game, really starting to develop and acquire his skill as he you know, got into his teenage years. Such a small population. He was a phenomenal player, best of his generation, but he was a very 
big fish in a much smaller pond back then. So I look at this from the number of players and how that's grown. The other thing that I, I think about is the, uh, the access to golf. And I have a 1954 version of Golf Digest here in front of me and ho holding it up uh, in front of the camera so Mark and Scott can see it. And in here, there's an article from the National Golf Foundation, and it talks about the number of golf courses and how many were private. So back in 1934, 73% of the golf courses were, were private. In 1953, 60% were private, and today 25% are private. So the wow. access to the game has, has, has changed significantly compared to what it was in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. So I think that exposes the game to a wider number of players that could potentially turn into PGA Tour level players. So it's kind of my, my initial take on that one. Yeah. So in effect, you're saying it's just the triangle, basically, the more people that play, the higher it might push up to the top level is kind of so you're hinting there that with more people playing in the way the golf is now, because there's more public courses in America, if you take America as the example, um, then you've got more chance of pulling on bigger resources of human beings to improve. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Think of it this way. Put it in terms of a high school sports analogy. Generally, small school sports are, 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 are small schools are, are playing against other small schools and large schools versus large schools. And that's because um, a large school is going to have a much bigger population to pull from and they are likely to have more talented players and a bigger population. And to use a really crazy example, um, let's say you as a kid, you invented uh, some kind of game that you played in the neighborhood with your friends. I had a game like that where we threw a tennis ball off of front stairs on somebody's house and, and we, we came up with rules for this game. And there were maybe 10 or 12 of us that played it. And one of my buddies, he was the best at this game. And, and, but there was only 12 of us that played uh, and he beat everybody all the time. But it, let's imagine that that game caught on and we went from 12 players to 120 players. Um, would he still be the best? He might be, but there's a good chance that he might not be because there are just so many more players playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I take that in the UK, we have club level golf. So we're, we're quite different in the UK where we do have more public courses than we've ever had. Our courses are predominantly members only courses. There's more members only than not. So it's quite interesting how that is slightly different to the States. But, so, you know, I, I would have I was the best player in my club growing up. And then I went and played in county events. So the UK is divided into different counties. So I'm in, I was in Devon uh, and I was one of the best players in Devon. So instantly I've moved from the best to one of the best. And then I went and played in international events. Um, and then I was just one of the players who sometimes competed in the international events. I'm now not the best. It, I guess in effect, it's no different. Scott, for you, Jack was a big fish in a small pond, Lou Stagner said there, at Lou Stagner on Twitter. S-T-A-G-N-E-R. That is harsh. Scott, yesteryear v today, what are your thoughts? I mean, I totally agree. It's it's The problem is, and again, this is folklore. Everybody does wants their generation to remain respected. And I use the analogy of just education constantly. All knowledge is cumulative. And golf you just if you have more people over the course of centuries inventing certain math and then inventing certain like the the iphone it becomes easy 
the game now has become much easier and it's really as most other things the, the the spike is going vertical on us with improvement right now i i just don't think it's a fair it's it's not a fair comparison but even more so when people say like referring back to the folklore of everybody else's prior records well their career's over so yeah they they had a lot of wins but you know dustin johnson currently has 24 wins he's 26th on the all-time win list if you would rewound this back i mean how old is dj he's got to be 35 or six or seven now doesn't he i mean, guess yeah he's later 30, 30s 36 yeah, I mean, if you rewound this thing back to when he was 30, he probably only has, I don't even know, eight or so wins at that point. Maybe not even that many. Like, well, he's good, but he's not an all-time great. Well, of course, he hasn't had his career yet. So the career wins list, it just doesn't have time to fill out. But certainly Tom Kite with 19 wins versus Dustin Johnson with 24 wins, they're not even in the same ballpark, obviously. Roy McIlroy has 18 wins. Is Tom Kite better than Rory because he had more wins? I yeah, mean, obviously well, not. We start bleeding over onto the major wins to tournament wins, that discussion almost, doesn't it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The majors identical. We've got one, two, three. We've got uh, seven players in the top 46 of all-time majors list that I would consider modern. Tiger, Mickelson, Els, Kepka, Rory, VJ, Jordan Spieth, and Payne Stewart. Like I had to kind of scrape the barrel to get into that number, but that's just the way it works when you have to see your entire, you know, career at the end looking back. How many wins do you have? It's going to be a lot. I mean, do I and, and the flip side is, do I think Brooks is deserves a place on that list with four major wins? Like, no, not really. Like, he's a great player. He's one of the best over the last however many years, but he does not deserve to be in the, the same breath, you know, as Mickelson only having one more than him right now. It's yeah, it's point. just very hard in real time to compare cross generational careers. So who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm the same. I kind of feel a little bit like like comparing old to new, which is something that I see so many people do. I think it's it's one of those conversations that just go round and round and round because it's impossible to compare. It's impossible to match because you can only be as good as what's in front of you, can't you? Like how many golfers get to become or how many any sports people become the best in their field and then would push harder to be, I mean, who are they pushing to be harder from? They're now just trying to stay away from the pack. They're not actually really maybe pushing as hard once they've got there. Um, you've got someone like um, Jack Nicholas, who was obviously the greatest of all time in some minds. And if you do it on major counts, you would still class that. And I understand why people contest that as well. But he can only be as good as his time allows him to be. Does that, does that make sense? Is that not fair? Well, for me, in the way that I've always handled this argument in the Tiger versus Jack thing, my, my concession is Jack is the greatest major champion ever. Tiger has played the game better than it's ever been played by anyone. I mean, I, I, just again, 
looking at Tiger's 82 wins with Jack with 73, considering Tiger has basically sat out the last 10 years of his career. Yeah. Like he's so far better. I feel like I've said this before. <laughs> You're in my head, Crossfield. <laughs> he's so much better than, than Jack. It's not even funny in my opinion. Yes, Jack would be competitive, but... Yeah, but there's no way of knowing that now because Jack, obviously, you've sure. got that's that's there's no like Jack is an amazing sports person who will only try and be the best of what he can be from what's in front of him. So, if Tiger is that person in his generation in front of him when he's 15, 14, 13, whenever he's coming up at similar ages as Tiger, um, he's only going to look at that and think, right, I need to get there now. And who's to say he wouldn't get there? And that's where I think this. I always think that's why I think it's funny that it turns into arguments because it's like not worth an argument. It's, it's a argument. fun discussion, isn't it? As it's in, you know I mean? when you see, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see it on Twitter when people are like, "This is that," and that is that, and I just think, I, like, you're, I think you're taking this a little bit too because there's obviously no way. Like Jack's hands were tied, and Tiger had it all blueprinted out in front of him to a certain extent of what he needed to achieve to know what he needed to be if he wanted to be the best with my fingers up inverted commas where Jack at the time far surpassed anything that was the best for that came before him. So um, unless you put those two people in the cage at the same time and ring the bell, it's going to be nearly impossible to tell, isn't it? Maybe. Uh, maybe Jack is a big fish in a small pond. A, someone once said big fish in a, in a small pond, best of his generation without question. And I agree with Scott that he was, he won the most majors. I don't know if he was the best major champion of all time, but he won the most majors. Um, but I believe that players today are significantly more talented than they were back then. The game has evolved. Oh. Knowledge has evolved and skills continue to evolve. And I think money has helped over the last 20 plus years to draw even more into the game. And what's interesting is when you look at how little they made back then, um, I have to imagine that had an impact on, on you know, superior athletes choosing to go down the, the golf road or not. Back in 1980, if you were 150th on the money list, in today's dollars, you would have made about $60,000 US per year before expenses. But today you'd make about you'd make about 600,000. For that argument to hold true though, don't we have to know what baseball players like I feel like you you know whatever it is 30 times the average household earning. Don't we have to know to in order to say a baseball like a, an athlete would have had a different sport to go to, wouldn't we have to know well they did that because there's more money to make in that sport? Is there was there actually that much more money and I'm sure there was more than golf? Um, but even still, if you offered somebody a chance to go make 20 times the average household income, you'd be like, well, damn, that's a pretty good income. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember there was a, I've been to where Jack grew up. Does anyone know? I can never name, remember the name of the course where he grew up. Where Shioto? He, uh, I don't know how that's you pronounce the one. it. Yeah, that's how do, I can never how do you pronounce, pronounce it. That'll GCA. And, I, and the pro up. there, yeah, the pro there was amazing. And he showed me around. They got amazing pictures of Jack, obviously, because he's just on their boards and in history it's, it's an amazing place to go if you ever get a chance um and there was a story that, that i think i'm going to get this wrong so don't quote me on what event it was after basically jack and arnie played a match at this course after either the us open or the us pga and they played um pure and purely because of the money they were getting paid to play in it 
it was literally like it was a, and they were getting paid more to play in that match than they did for competing or winning what they won in whatever major they had just played. And I remember him telling me this story just thinking, wow, yeah, that's, that's quite a different life to compare to someone like Woods, um, who's, you know, money isn't main, the main driving factor, but it is as well. There isn't a part of him that, that, well, there isn't a part of him that isn't sitting there thinking when he wins his first few checks, like, this is good, isn't it? Look at the size of them. Like, I'm just going to be so wealthy at the end of this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, they used to all want to play in the Monday outings. I mean, yeah. playing the Monday and Wednesday Pro-Am, you could cover your expenses for the week. Like all but I'm assuming the top guys, like they kind of wanted to play in it because it wasn't nice at the end of the year stipend to help cover expenses and it money does play into it it, it definitely is That's a factor good, all right so i looked it up Go Go on. Looked i it knew up. you would i knew you would i, I saw in, his eyes darting around up there I did. In, <laughs> tap 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 right. i saw him <laughs> in, in 1980 yeah. orville moody he was 100 150th on the money list Thirteen thousand six hundred nineteen dollars is what he made in 1980 who is this person you're saying 150th on the or Moody. Moody. Yeah. Who, who is he? What? <laughs> Come on. C R O S S. Crossfield's <laughs> off the pod. <laughs> I presume you're talking about a baseball player. Are no, you? no, he's a golfer. He's a go- golfer. All right. Gary McCord was 151st. Okay, you know I know go- right. Yeah, I know Gary. Gary McCord was 151st. He's $13,521. <laughs> the 125th player on the money list that, that year was $19,895. Oh. Baseball in 1980, the same year, the average salary was $143,000. The minimum salary was $30,000. So, and it's not to say that that good good golfers or good athletes had an opportunity to be multi-sport professionals and, and they could have gone into baseball or basketball or football or something else. They may have chosen to go into, you know, selling insurance, no offense to insurance agents out there, but they have may have said in 1980, uh, you know, I, I I'm going to be the 150th best player in the world and I'm going to make $16,000 uh, before my expenses in oh, 1980. That's, that's not the best job that, in the world. And, you know, and Ben Hogan, there, in one of these old golf digests, um, there's a, uh, an interview, a long interview with Ben Hogan. And Ben Hogan said something to the effect of, you know, the what drove me to win tournaments back then was so I could play in exhibitions because the real money was playing in exhibitions. It wasn't in um, uh, playing golf uh, for tournament money. It was in playing exhibitions and getting paid exhibition fees. And the only way you could play exhibition fee or exhibitions and get those high fees was if you were winning tournaments. For, for the record, real quick, Orville Moody is your 1969 U.S. Open champion. Is he? There you go. Now, it was like- his lone PGA Tour title. <laughs> <laughs> but he has as many majors as Fred Couples. So he's as good as Fred Couples. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so um, let's talk about ball strikers then and relate it to a little bit what Lou said, because you have to define talent a little bit here, Lou. You can't say, 
that they are more talented now than they were then? Because I don't even know what you mean by that. Can you define what you mean by talent? Because it kind of leads me on to, that sounds similar to the statements that I hear people say when, oh, they were better ball strikers back then than they are now. Because I don't know where that one comes from. So let talent, Lou, what do you mean by that? Um, that's a, that's a, a good question. question I- isn't it? It's it's a hard question. I'm trying I've to think how I would answer it. No, I want to. I want to. I'll dive yeah. in and I'll uh, I'll make myself look foolish here. <laughs> Crossfield's asking me the tough BBC <laughs> yeah. questions here. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that the the game and the knowledge of the game and knowledge of the swing and technology has evolved that allows us to to teach the game at a higher level than we than we used to. I also think that players are putting in more effort into golf than they used to. And it's drawn more individuals to the game. And I think the bottom end of the field, especially the bottom end of the field is significantly more talented than it used to be. Just in the years that we have good data uh, from 1980 forward, um, the bottom end of the field back then was a lot further from the middle of the pack than it is today. Yeah. Okay, so so the, the bottom end of the field is much closer than it used to be back then. So the, here you go then. So when you say talented, I think of a complete raw, no tuition person, like, almost like you're relating it to whatever skill is, whatever that means. Does that make sense? Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, maybe you know, I'm, I mean, that's where I'm tripping up. So when yeah. you say there's, you know, there's different, um, what were the terms you said there? You know, there's more education now, there's more, there's people are wiser. That's not talent, is it? That's opportunity, is it not? Yeah, I think you could categorize it that way. But I think it goes back to one of the things I started off with uh, at the beginning of the conversation. And that's just around the sheer number of players in the game. And when you when you have more players in the game, there's going to be more talented individuals. Yeah, Um, you know, I would agree with that. If you take the best one out of 100,000 players back in 1960, um, there were 4.4 million golfers. You'd have 44 golfers. If you took the best one for every 100,000 players, 44 players in 1960. Today, um, or in the year 2000, you'd get 250 players or 25 million people playing the game in the year 2000. So just you'd have a, 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 just a bigger pool of higher talented people just by sheer numbers alone. Yeah, well, where I agree with that, then I would throw the name Andrew Murray, Andy Murray, the tennis player at you, comes from Scotland. So when we're talking about the best players of now and yesteryear, so Andy Murray comes from a country that doesn't really play tennis. Um, It's a very small population and you've got uh, how many majors did he end up winning? Was it two or three? I can't, I don't know off the top of my head, but he was a multiple major winner. Um, So when we say Jack is maybe less talented than tiger i know you've not directly said that i don't think you have if you did i would definitely close your twitter account for at least a week (laughs) (laughs) um i'm not sure that's true when you look at the depth and you look at the stats i get what you're saying but to say and the chances that talent does go up in the triangle idea i get but there's all like you know, Federer from Switzerland. Surely, surely the best player. Surely the best player in tennis should be America. You have no, so there's a tennis the, player no, for so, years. So there's the second time you said it. I was already going to say this about Go Andy on. Murray, and then you just said it with Roger Federer again. He's from Switzerland. You're equating these countries are so small. Don't think of them as countries. Think of them as 
part of that 100,000 person population that we're finding one from. Yes, only 20,000 of those are from England, which makes it less of a chance they're gonna have one of those in the 100,000, but they're still just part of the global population. That, that Whether they're from a small country or not, it can make the difference because you're gonna have better training programs in theory, yeah. but just you can't say they're from a small tribe, so they're, they're, not, they're not gonna be there. And, and back to the defined talent thing, I finally, as a, as a dad with a seven-year-old and 11-year-old girl, I can sit there and watch them and say, well, they're trying hard, but they are not the most talented kids on the floor playing basketball or dancing. You can just watch some kids that I'm like, wow, your, yeah. your understanding of your body is just incredible. And, you know, my girls can work really hard and they can make the, the top dance teams and whatever, but they're not going to just get there because they just are so good. Like DJ, dude, I mean, again, he probably works harder than people give him credit for, but that dude's just so talented, meaning he just is just graceful kinesthetically. And that is, that's what I define talent as, not necessarily golf talented, but they just have a huge kinesthetic awareness. They know how to gracefully move about in sports. And then if you add that with speed, there you go. Yeah. So Tom Kite might be, very talented i'm sure he is but he's also five foot seven that's just he's got an upper threshold on him and it's funny because when i go back and look at this wins list number four is ben hogan in the majors list short gary player short palmer's not huge i mean you got a bunch of kind of small guys in the top 10 and they're all from a very specific generation that was definitely just thinned out because of the war because of access because of finances just everything like it's yeah so again i i i I understand the more people playing ideas i think it can be challenged as well when you look at certain people from certain populations but i also say i agree what you're saying with the global population there scott as well it's interesting point and for the uh, for the record i'm still fluffy with the word talent but i think i know what lou's saying yeah, and for the for the record, when you say Andy Murray, that's like me saying Orville Moody to you. I, I have no yeah. idea who that is. <laughs> Andy Murray is a, he's the, he was the first British person to win Wimbledon since Roger Taylor. Like we like we are we you know we've got the biggest major in tennis every year in England. He's Scottish. So just for a little bit of local politics for you here, he's, yeah, he's Scottish. So when he's Scottish and he wins, we call him British because that's what the English are just so bad at doing. Uh, <laughs> he, he's Scottish. Yeah. But, you know, it's like when Elazabeth wins the Masters, he's European. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's Spanish, actually. Um, okay, so when it comes to better ball strikers, when people say that people were better ball strikers, like I don't know what they mean by that. Does anyone know what people mean by that? Apart from people are holding on to yesteryear a little bit. Like I, I, I picture them, cup of warm cocoa, blanket over there. You know, I'm stereotyping, blanket over their lap in front of the fire, with a library of golf books behind them going, they were better balls, dragons, back in my day. Uh, that's a complete <laughs> stereotype. And I apologize. This is a joke if anyone's getting offended by that. But do you know what I mean? Is, are you not seeing that statement relating to that kind in of my, thing? In my little mental picture, they're casually thumbing the golf uh, atlas of courses. So <laughs> I'm, right on, <laughs> I'm right on board with you. 
Lou, ball strikers. I don't know if you've got any data on better ball strikers. Well, I, I, you know, I think it would be tough to measure. One of the arguments <laughs> yeah. you always hear is equipment was, was so much harder to hit back then than it is today. Um, yeah, is there some truth to that? Um, there might be some truth to that, but it, it depends on how far back you want to go, you know, to say, well, it was a lot tougher to hit a golf ball in 1980 than uh, it is today. Um, did you see some of the equipment they played with back in 1893? Uh, doesn't look yeah. anything like what they were playing in, in 1980. So I think there's something to be said about the difficulty of uh, the equipment through the generations. But I just think the you know, the, the, again, um, are they better ball strikers today? Yeah, I, I, I think they are. Equipment aside, I, I think they uh, have learned more about the swing. They've learned more about how to train effectively. Um, not only the, the, the swing itself, but everything else, nutrition, fitness, et cetera, all the things that go into it, uh, all of the work that people have started to put into uh, sports neuroscience, all of that is factoring into all of this and, and people are just becoming better. Uh, and and yeah, I well, think the game these, will yeah. continue to evolve. And I think just I think yeah. that you know, eighty years from now, there's going to be three jokers like us on whatever the podcast medium of the of the day is, and they're going to be talking about how the players eighty years from now are better than the players of today, and they'll be correct. Players eighty years from now will be better than the players from today. Yeah, so that leads me on to my last point. Just before I go there, when it comes to ball striking, I'm talking if you take a measurement of the sweet spot, hitting the sweet spot of the ball. I'm not saying that they got a better angle of attack, which is kind of what Lou's hinting at there. I think the best players through history have hit the CG lining up with the CG of the ball the equal amount of times. Like I, I just, it, you don't play good golf without that happening because the ball just does deviate offline if you don't line those two up. Um, does it not go against the idea of sport evolving and humans evolving, this desire? Like, go, I do feel and always have done through my life. I love golf and I love golf history, but I also hate it. I often feel that it's used as a weapon against golf and golfers itself. Does it not this kind of desire to always say it was better back then with people, which I certainly have never had? Like, I, I enjoyed playing golf more back then when I was younger, but that doesn't mean it was a better game back then does it not just go against everything we kind of strive for as humans and hopefully as a sport surely we want our sport going forwards don't we well it's just unique in my opinion because again i don't i don't disagree that modern courses are not necessarily the most challenging thing for the modern tour pro like i i, I totally agree with that actually but i don't think there's a fix for it you just tip your hat and be like, dang, you guys are really good at golf. And, and that's okay. You know, basketball, they don't move the rim up. I mean, the difference in the game, they didn't move the, you know, I'd like these people dunking a little bit less and, you know, bring back some skill to rebounding or whatever the analogy is. Um, they just, they just accept the game is different. And I don't see why golf has to be different than that. I, I really don't. You can't, if, if the announcers were literally just to say when somebody's over a wedge to say, Hey, this, he's got an eight iron in here. The viewer at home couldn't tell the difference. Like you just, it, what <laughs> difference does do it that. make? Huh? Should do that. I mean, they? just to shut him up, like what difference yeah. does it make? It's, Wow, he cranked that drive. He hit it 275 and he's got an eight iron left. Yeah, Let's see yeah. if he can manage to hit the green. I, 
I just don't get it. It's it is a comp. Excuse me. It is an exhibition, and it is a different exhibition than years past. This circles back to the the whole architecture debate. There simply aren't old courses, infrastructure wise, that can hold a, a, a modern tour event. It they just don't exist, and so. What do you do about it? Like, even if we rolled it back, I know that's not really what we're talking about, but even if we rolled it back, there still aren't courses to be like, well, yeah, come on out. The course still isn't big enough for the crowds. Let it, yeah. It's not that the golf shots are too big, the crowds are too big. Yeah, yeah. And, totally. so it's and how all... they get there needs to be is very different. Everyone's driving their cars there now. Like, it's just so different. But I definitely, I want to uh, when when you say that about the commentators, I, I would love to hear them going, he's got 140 yards out. He's got about a Three iron. He's gonna feather feather the seven iron. It looks like oh, three iron. He must he got, he got whoever in the booth going it. going. Damn, it doesn't look like there's that much wind out there. But <laughs> Bone says it's a seven iron. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Lou, don't you think it goes against everything that certainly I strive for as a human? I, I haven't got this desire to hang on. Like I celebrate what has been, and I respect what has been. And it's exciting what has been, but I'm more excited about what my kids are going to move into and their kids are going to move on into. I love the the evolution of it. For you, like, are you different or the same? Because no, I know you I, like a bit of golf history. I, I am on the same page. Uh, everything evolves. Everything will continue to get better. And, and I will go on the record saying that 80 years from now, the PGA Tour, if it still exists, um, is going to be significantly more talented than what we have today. Um, assuming that the sport continues to grow and evolve like it has since uh, it, it started in the United States. And I'm just talking about the PGA Tour now in you know, late 1890s. Mm. Um, I, I think it's just going to continue to evolve. I agree with you. I respect the past. I respect the players of the past. But I just think as a group and as a whole, everyone continues to get better. I came across some uh, <clears throat> scoring from the U.S. Open from from back in the day, and and you can open these things up, and and uh, it's it's remarkable some of the scores that you see from late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, there's a gentleman here in 1898 um, that. He withdrew. He didn't finish the fourth round. I can see why, but he, he went 107, 110, 107 um, in the 1898 U.S. Open. It was won what, by what, Fred, what? Fred Hurd won with 84, 85, 75, 84. I mean, so this guy was, he was way back of the leader. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've gotten better. Every, yeah. Everything's gotten better, equipment included. Yeah, absolutely. And so for, when, for the record, I... for the record, old Tom Morris and young Tom Morris, their majors, when you look at the people that have won the most majors, those shouldn't count, right? Old oh, Tom God. was playing in Please. There was like Quite eight people. The... Like, it was like eight people <laughs> in his, you know, some of his wins are nine people. And, and, and that is just ridiculous to me that those count as majors. I, I get it for the time period, but it's tougher to win the Saturday morning shootout at my club than it was for old old Tom to win the first uh, open championship. <laughs> when I, when I read these names, McDonald Smith, Willie McFarlane, Johnny Revolta, Bill Melhorn, Jim Farrier, Bobby Cruikshank, and Harold McSpaden. I've never heard of a single one of those players. Those seven guys combined for a hundred and fifty wins on the PGA tour. They're all, <laughs> I mean, they're on the top 
50 in all-time wins. They have 150 wins. I've never heard their name. And there's James Farrell, James Murray. Like, there's a ton more in this list. It's just... Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just happy for people to be the best they can be at the time they're in. Because really, you can't ask people to be much more than that, can you? Like, that's like saying, that's like Jack saying, no, 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 no. I need to win 22 majors because in 50 years time or in 30 years time, someone's going to win 24. So I need to win 25. Like, no one's, you can only be as good as the time you're in can't you i think it's an interesting debate and i don't think it's a debate that will ever go away just a couple of points jack is a big fish in a small pond i get why lou said that but i'm not sure i fully agree with it and lou said that and also old tom morris and his brother or dad or whatever i didn't say any of that there's a picture of that guy up nearly every clubhouse in the uk and you have literally just torn him down well Well, all i know is old tom morris and senior and junior are tied with four majors apiece and they are one major behind the world famous james braid with his five majors there you go uh, James Braid. Whoever that is. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I, I've played yeah, many I've James him. Braid yeah. courses, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we get, well, there's quite a few of them over here. I'm pretty sure, and I, I'm going to be, I'm going to quote this one, I'm pretty sure Broadstone, which I've played a few times, is a James Braid golf course. Um, so, yes, I do. There you go. Old golfers, old, yes, the year golfers of today's golfers, maybe hit Lou up uh, on his um, Twitter line and let us know what you think of his Big Fish Small Pond statement, because I know that one will generally get people fired up. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Lou, I've never heard you so vocal and kind of, you 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 were rocking that this evening. I liked uh, it. I was. I had uh, a, a cup of coffee later in the day than I normally yeah. do, so I'm a bit still of a bad day up. at work. Yeah. And just <laughs> he's had a rough <laughs> week last week at work, so he's just ready, ready to rock. <laughs> he's just wiped Jack away in one yeah. fell punk. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> Lou swings at one, one twenty one time, and all of a sudden Nicholas sucks. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. <laughs> we got a new top end record. I hit one thirty. No, oh, really? Yeah. Wowzers. He's getting Dude, that's this. unbelievable. So, pretty that, soon. Uh, or your driver? Uh, with driver, yeah. So pretty if I hit 135 wow. t- if if I hit 135 Tiger will suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. I'm kidding, sure he's kidding, panicking. Kidding. I'm sure he's panicking. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember always um give us a review down below if you're enjoying the podcast. Maybe hit us up on our social channels if you want us to talk about certain subjects and keep safe. We'll speak to you in the next uh, podcast. <laughs>